My name's Jeff Kerr. My wife, Christy, and I are the pastors here, along with a great staff. Um, Christy is out of town this weekend. She's visiting our oldest daughter in Denver, so she sends her, her greetings as well. Um, we are going to continue a series that we started at the beginning of June called Grow. It's talking about the spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts and the church. These are our ways, and we've talked about this over the last few weeks, ways that we believe that the Holy Spirit in us is equipping us, enabling us to do the ministry of the church to accomplish the work that God has for us. So right off the bat, I recognize that maybe some of you are newer to church or maybe a church like this where you're thinking, I just want to come and maybe read a Bible verse and now this guy's going to talk about the Holy Spirit and supernatural gifts and that might be out there for you a little bit, which I recognize and that's fine. We're glad that you're here and hopefully like all of us that you'll just be open to what God has for you today. And we're believing that as we look into the word of God that he's going to speak something to every, every heart. But we recognize that there is more than just, our faith is more than just to come to church and sit in a church service and hopefully be, uh, it's an engaging church service and you sing a couple of songs and then you check that box and then you go on with your week. We recognize that the life of faith is way more involved in that. And just getting involved in a church, getting involved in groups of people or finding a place to serve, that's one part of it. But we recognize that the Holy Spirit, when you become a follower of Jesus, that the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, comes into your life, that the presence of God, in the Old Testament, it was you had to go to a building or a temple or talk to a a specific person that had the presence of God dwelling in them. But now, because of Jesus Christ, the, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. When you become a follower of Jesus, the presence of God is in you. And what happens is the work of the Holy Spirit begins to work in you so that you begin to change into your new image in Jesus Christ. You become more Christ-like. You kind of push aside the old ways of sin and the flesh and, the, and self that you are living for, and you begin to see the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit become evidence. This is the life of a growing believer. You become more joyful right? And we would love that, right? Some smile at me, give me a little bit of joy this morning, or or times where you're in the midst of a difficult situation, and you just sense that the fruit of the Spirit of peace, this peace that passes understanding, where you're thinking, I didn't used to have this. I used to stress out about this, but now because the Holy Spirit is active and alive in your life, you're seeing these evidences come out in physical ways. We're talking about different spiritual gifts. So, Each time that we've spoken, and last week Pastor Steve did a great job giving a a recap of our Ecuador missions team and talking about the gift of missions and also giving that, um, that God might be calling some people in this church to either go as a missionary or to support missionaries in their giving. We've talked about evangelism, we've talked about teaching and encouragement, and every time we've talked about this, and the same will be true with the gifts that we talk about today, there's kind of two ways to look at it. And the first is very general in that all of these gifts are ways that we all want to grow in our faith. For example, evangelism, the the idea of sharing your faith with other people, evangelizing, it's not okay to think, well, I don't have that gift, so I don't need to worry about lost people. That's for somebody else, right? All of us need to grow in our care and concern for lost people. But yet we also recognize that there is a spiritual gift that God uniquely equips certain people where 
It's 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 like a level up, keeping our VBS theme going, of of regular, so to speak, where you're like, I really feel like God uses me. Like this is something I'm super passionate about. More than just the general I want to grow in this, where you think that God has uniquely equipped you for that. Evangelism or encouragement or teaching or missions or giving. So I want us all to be open to that in both ways. The general way that we think, okay, we all should grow in this. But maybe for some of you today, God's going to speak to you. The Holy Spirit's going to kind of tug on your heart where you're thinking, yeah, these gifts that he's talking about, I feel like maybe God is using me in that way uniquely. So let's be open to that as we continue on this morning. So we're going to look at four spiritual gifts, um, four of them because they kind of all fit around a similar theme. So I thought we'd group them together and talk about them all at once. And we're going to start by looking in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 11. Now, this is a fairly well-known passage of Scripture in regards to talking about spiritual gifts. And this is one where um, uh, there's other times in the New Testament where it talks about spiritual gifts. But let me just read it for you, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by, one, by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. And to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Or another translation, another way of putting it would be discerning the spirits or discernment. To another, various kinds of tongues, speaking in tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So that is one passage of Scripture talking about some spiritual gifts. There's other times in the Scripture where it mentions different gifts as well. There's not a definitive list. There's times where different ones are mentioned. But this is one of the, very, uh, one of the more common passages that people look at when talking about some of these spiritual gifts. You see it. Um, wisdom, knowledge, speaking in tongues, faith, uh, healing, working of miracles, prophecy, lists a bunch of them there. So what we're going to talk about today is four of those that were listed, wisdom, knowledge, discernment, and prophecy. Now this would refer, kind of the common theme throughout all of them, would refer to supernatural insight that you have in a specific situation. Times where you feel like you might be sensing that God is speaking to you in a specific way. Um, sometimes God would give you, you know, in the church world, we, we would say, like, we have a word from the Lord, or God spoke to me, and some people, it's just like, that's super weird. Like, how do you know when God's speaking to you? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But times when you feel led by God to say something, or maybe God reveals to you wisdom about a certain situation or knowledge that you would otherwise have no idea about, where the Holy Spirit is giving you insight supernaturally into a situation or to a person or a group of people. Or discernment would be knowing whether or not something is of God or there's another spirit at work. So I want to give a couple of definitions as we move forward for these four things. Wisdom, to speak to an individual or a situation with great understanding and a righteous perspective. That the Holy Spirit just kind of gives you insight into a situation where you feel like God is directing me to know what to do in this situation. Knowledge, specific insight into otherwise unknown details. Times where God might give you something to talk to somebody and say, talk to them about this going on in their life. This is something that they are dealing with. And other, you would have otherwise no way of knowing that. Prophecy, 
is speaking a message from God. We would see that more in the Old Testament, where the Old Testament prophets, they hear from God to give a message to the people or to an individual. That's the gift of prophecy. And finally today, discernment. Knowing if something is of God or if something is of a different spirit or recognizing through the power of the Holy Spirit like certain motivations or just kind of having insight into the situation and, and God revealing what is at work behind the scenes. So essentially, these gifts all together refer to having some sort of spiritual insight into a situation or a person. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, every time I have a disagreement with somebody, I'm always right. Does that mean I have the spiritual gift of wisdom and knowledge and discernment? That's not the case. So always being right is not a spiritual gift, okay? Because some of you are like, I totally have that. And my spouse needs to know that I totally have that, right? I would say this to the husbands. Don't try this at home in your next argument. Well, lo- well, honey, the Lord spoke to me and said that I'm right here. So, And since I have this gift, you have to listen. That might not go very well. It's not about being right, In fact, as we talk about any spiritual gift, what what have we talked about? That the goal of all of these is that the Holy Spirit gives us these to accomplish his work in other people. This is not about puffing anybody up or boasting about the cool things that you can do. This is about helping everybody move towards Christ-likeness. Amen? This is what the spiritual gifts are for. This is why we use them. It is always done out of love and care and concern and humility approaching other people when the Holy Spirit is using you in this way. The goal is guiding others towards a life of holiness and worship. And being right all the time is not one of the spiritual gifts, as I have mentioned. We certainly see that in in arguments in our culture where everyone's just like, well, God said this, and that means I'm right. And man, God can reveal truth, and there are people who are operating with the gift of prophecy, but it always must be done out of a humility and love and the desire to push people towards holiness and righteousness in Jesus Christ. So as with all of these gifts, I said, first of all, that there's kind of the general way that we all want to grow. We all want to grow in the ways of wisdom and knowledge. Wouldn't it be, I mean, we could all say that in our faith, in our lives, we would love to become people who are more and more wise as to the things of God, that we have knowledge into the things of God, that we would be able to discern a time where you're facing a situation or there's a situation going on with some family members or friends or whatever and have that discernment of what's, what's the right thing here? How should we move forward in godliness here? Like, ever been in a situation where you're just like, Lord, I would love for you to give me wisdom or insight or discernment as to what to do. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. These are ways that we should all grow. We want to all grow in wisdom and knowledge. Our goal is to walk closely with God. As people of faith, our goal is to know him better, to walk closely with him, to know his word better, so that we can live a life where we recognize when he is leading us. We can live a life where we recognize when the Holy Spirit is prompting us in a way. We can live a life that's honoring to him in all things and loving other people the way that he taught us to. So as a church, Homestead Church, I want us all to grow in these things. This is just a very practical way that we are going to mature in our faith, growing in spiritual wisdom and knowledge and insight and discernment, times where we feel like God is speaking to us to be able to speak to the body or to other individuals. These are ways that we want to grow, generally speaking. So I want to encourage all of us, grow in these areas. Seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life that you could grow in these ways. I want to read James 1, 5. Talking about wisdom, spiritual wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, 
Let them ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given. That is a great promise there. And when we read promises like that in Scripture, we know that God is faithful. We believe that there is a faithful God behind each of these promises. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to who? To all. That's everybody. So all of us have that promise available if we are followers of Jesus Christ, that when we want to grow in wisdom, when we are at a loss as to what to do, you can say, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, give me wisdom Help me to grow in this. And God will give it to you. God will grant it to you. To all, without reproach, and it will be given. If you feel like your life at times is shaky, or maybe just your faith is just like, man, I just feel unstable in my faith. Like it's not really making a difference, or it's not growing, or I don't know what to do. I keep getting tripped up by these situations or this temptation. Whatever it is, there's no growth or impact. Are there areas of your faith that you need to grow in? Yes, we would all say yes to that. Well, let's grow in wisdom and knowledge and discernment, knowing what's the right thing to do. What does God have for me here? James would go on in, in chapter 1 of the book of James to compare those who don't do this, who don't grow in wisdom, as to those who are double-minded and unstable in their faith. And we could all admit there are times where we feel like that, right? Just like, oh, I feel like I'm being tossed around by every circumstance, like I feel like I'm doing good and then something comes up and it just seems to take my legs out from under me as far as my faith is concerned. We need to grow our roots in our faith. We need to be strong, mature believers and we do that by growing in wisdom and knowledge. If you feel like unstable decides, describes your faith at times, grow in wisdom and knowledge. Allow God to move in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 15, 21 says this, folly a great word. I love the word folly. Folly brings joy to one who has no sense. In other words, there are people who get enjoyment out of just dumb stuff, right? Because they just don't know any better. We're not pointing any fingers, but maybe we know people who are like that, right? Like it just seems like, man, they just are living for whatever folly comes their way. Folly brings joy to one who has no sense, but whoever has understanding or other translations would say wisdom. Whoever has wisdom and understanding keeps a straight course, referring to a life that is on mission, that is focused on the things of God, that continues to move forward, that isn't tossed around and swayed every time something comes up, but you are resolute in your determination to follow Jesus. That is those who have wisdom and understanding, who aren't following every pleasure or every common sense or wisdom of the world that comes their way, but through spiritual gift, wisdom, and knowledge, we keep on the course that God has for us. Philippians 1, 9 through 10. The Apostle Paul is writing this to a group of believers, and he says this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. That is a great prayer. In knowledge and in depth of insight, in knowledge and wisdom, so that you may be able to, and what's that word there? Discern. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Paul is really just describing spiritual growth, spiritual progress, making progress in your faith. That first of all, look how it's framed, that above everything else, your love may abound. Your love for one another may abound more and more as you grow in knowledge and wisdom so that you would be able to know what the right thing to do is. What's the wise thing to do? What's the God-honoring thing to do here? What's the thing that will help me love others better here? These are why we grow in this. This is why it's a good idea to grow in these gifts. Amen? Somebody say amen to that. And one final verse I want to read, Colossians 2, 7, and 8. 
Another prayer that Paul is writing to a, a group of people in this letter that he wrote in Colossians. Colossians 2, 7 and 8 says this. This is what he wants for the believers. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Man, that's a great prayer. Just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. What if that described each of us in our lives of faith? Rooted and built up, established in the faith, and abounding with thanksgiving. Just being so thankful. Man, that sounds great. And then verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So what Paul is saying here is, in order to be rooted in wisdom and knowledge and discernment, we have to do that so that we are not swayed by, and I love the phrase here, philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. We, have, we could see that in every culture from the beginning of time till now, and certainly we recognize it in our world today. Our world really in a lot of ways has gone mad with human wisdom and really empty deceit that seeks to cause people to steer away from the ways of God and saying, well, this is how we think about things modern in a modern way now. The Bible for a lot of people is considered outdated because they think it doesn't fit with modern morality, right? Have you ever heard anybody say that? The reason they don't believe in the Bible is because it's too old. It doesn't apply to today. That is modern thinking, empty deceit and human philosophy and wisdom that is pulling people away from godliness as a way of saying, pull away from godliness because this is a better way to do it. This is what Paul is warning the believers about 2,000 years ago. And certainly we would recognize it's a warning that we must also take to heart today, right? The empty deceit that is out there pulling us away from God. So in our world, in our culture, and again, it's not just unique to our world in our culture, but we're talking about us today. With our desire to stay on a path of godliness, to grow in our faith, to see spiritual progress, and also in our culture where there is so much wisdom and human tradition pulling us away from God, modern thinking of what morality looks like today, do you think it's beneficial for all of us as people of God to grow in these gifts of wisdom and knowledge and discernment? Do you think it's beneficial that everybody who's a part of Homestead Church grows in these gifts of knowing what the wise thing, having spiritual knowledge and discernment, being able to hear God speak to them and proclaim the words of God? We need this. We desperately need this in our own lives. We desperately need this collectively as a church. Our community needs a church that is alive, hearing from God with wisdom and standing up and saying, no, God has a right Way There is a wise spiritual wisdom, knowledge, discernment, prophecy, all those gifts that we're saying there is a way that God has for us that we need to stay on course. It is for our good. We need these gifts alive in our world, in our church. Because this really talks about, this is so much about our walk of faith, just growing in wisdom and discernment and knowledge. Just growing in God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to grow? What is the right thing to do? Not being swayed away by temptation. Not being swayed away by the ways the world wants to steer us away from godliness. This is just how our walk of faith works. And here's one thing that we've talked about before. There's a reality that we have. We did a whole series on spiritual warfare. We recognize that we have a spiritual enemy. Our world is not, the battles that we fight are not just in the visible things that we see in our world, and there's plenty of things in our world visibly that we see that we want to push back against, but we know that there is a spiritual 
battle happening. There is a spiritual enemy, the spirits of this world. Paul talked about that in those verses we read. The spirits of the world, the spirits that bring deceit, that pull us away from godliness. You have a spiritual enemy that is trying to pull you away from God. That's the reality of the world we live in. Now, I want to talk about two ways that we need to be wise to the tactics of the enemy trying to pull you away with temptation or other ways that pull you away from godliness. One of the ways the enemy does this is pretty, I'll, I'll refer to it as obvious temptation. So it's temptations in your life that you look at and you would, it's not a matter of, is this really a bad thing? Is this of God? Should I stay away from that? It's real obvious. So for example, I'll use the story of David and Bathsheba in the Old Testament. If you're not familiar with that story, King David, the king of Israel, one night he's home and he sees at the, at the house next door a woman who is bathing on the rooftop. He has a strong desire for this woman who is not his wife. He has people bring her over, gets her pregnant, and then as a way of covering it up, eventually has this woman's husband killed. Okay? Bad story, overt temptation. At no point in that story was David like, now God, what would you have me do here? Should I kill him or not? Oh, if there was only a sign for you to tell me what to do, right? This is overt temptation. Now, we all have these in our life, areas of temptation where our flesh, our sin, is just drawn to certain things. If you are a recovering alcoholic, you know the temptation to drink is there. It's not a matter of looking at that thinking, God, is it okay? What do you want me to do? It's an obvious temptation. If you give in to that, it's not out of an unknowing whether it was the right thing to do. It's a, I knew it was not right. I just couldn't control myself. It could be a sexual thing, lust, pornography, looking at something you're not supposed to. You know it's not of God, yet the temptation is there. It still entices you and pulls you away. That's a very obvious way that the enemy is trying to get people to sin. Things that we know are not right and of God, yet we still give in because of the temptation in our flesh. But there are other times the enemy tries to pull you away from godliness with ways that are just way more subtle and sneaky things that you don't even recognize. We see that in our, in our culture right now. We see that in our churches right now, where it's just like, well, this seems right. This feels right. This feels like it's good for me. It's um, times, in, I compare it to times in Scripture, maybe you look at the story when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, or Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, where the temptation to disobey God was much more subtle and sneaky, wasn't it? That the devil came to Adam and Eve and said, well, did God really say this? It just was a very subtle, like, question what God said. And, well, of course he would want you to do this because it's just for your benefit. And it's like, yeah, well, maybe God does want this for me. And You see that with Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. The devil came to him and quoted scripture at him, you know, misused the scripture, misquoted it, but was trying to get him to disobey God in a very subtle and sneaky way by getting him to think, yeah, maybe this is right. That's a way different temptation that the enemy tries to trip us up with than just an overt, obvious thing that we know we're supposed to stay away with. Look at what Jesus did when he was tempted. What did he do? He used the word of God. He quoted scripture. He used the word of God. Adam and Eve, on the other hand, gave in because they thought, yeah, this does seem right. This does seem like the thing that we should do. This seems like the best thing to do. So those are two examples, the very overt, obvious temptation and the subtle, sneaky ways that our world and the enemy that we have is going to pull us away from godliness. Of course we need to grow in wisdom and knowledge when we're dealing with this stuff. Our world today has gone mad with human wisdom and human understanding as to what is right, what the right thing to do is. 
what seems right, what feels right, to pull us away from godliness without even realizing it. In the Old Testament, when we were referring to the gods in the Old Testament, it was a little more obvious because if a people had an idol that they wanted to worship, they'd build a statue. You could see what the idols were because they'd make a monument or an altar or a statue. We don't have a lot of statues today for the false gods that we worship. But probably the biggest one that we worship, other than God, the false god that we worship is self. And that is a god that is promoted as the ultimate goal, certainly in our modern world now, right? The, the exaltation of self. What feels right to you, what makes you happy as an individual, is the ultimate good. If it feels right, this is what I want. The phrase, my truth, where truth doesn't even matter anymore because it's like, well, this is true for me, so it doesn't matter if it's true for anybody else because this is what I want. It's the exaltation of self. What I want is most important. And we even see it when we start to bring our faith into that. Well, my faith in Jesus, what it does is it causes me to be happy. Of course, Jesus just wants me to be happy. I've been in conversations where people have thrown away their marriage and their family to start a relationship with a new person, and their justification was, well, this will make me happy, and Jesus wants me to be happy. And you see how it's that now they've roped the faith in Jesus Christ into not Jesus is their God, but Jesus is there to help please the ultimate God, which is self. Does that make sense? I was in a situation where I was around a group of people not connected with this church, and I was kind of just listening into the conversation. And the conversation got up, it was about, uh, it started with song lyrics and then certain words in songs and certain behaviors, and it was like, well, should we do this? As Christians, what's okay and what's not okay? It was just, and I was just listening in on this conversation. I was very interested. Not a lot of churchgoers in this group of people, but I was listening because I was curious as to what they would say. Well, should you know, Christians do this and not do this. And finally, somebody said the phrase, well, Jesus just wants you to be your authentic self. And everyone said, yeah, that's right. And in my head, I just went, no, that's not that's not it. And I didn't choose that moment to be like preacher, party pooper, like, hey, how dare you say that? But I got thinking in that moment of, wow, what a, a very common thought process that people have now. Like, Jesus just wants me to be me. And that was accepted as kind of like a faith in Jesus, like, but it really was the exaltation of self. Jesus is here just so that I can feel good about myself. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, no, Jesus... Again, I was just having that moment. Jesus does not want us to be our authentic self because if we're real honest, our authentic selves are messed up. Right? And I was just using me as an example, okay? I'm like, okay, let's, let's look at me and my true authentic self, the desires or thoughts that I have that nobody knows about, the things that I say under my breath or the attitudes that I have towards certain people, nobody in this room. and uh, Or just times where if I was just left to my base, like, fleshly urges and desires, that authentic self, is that authentic self kind to other people? Mm -mm. Is it kind to myself? No. Is it honoring to God? No. Like, Jesus does not want you to just take all the flesh, all your authentic flesh self, and just promote that and live for that. In fact, now hear hear this. 
Jesus loves you wherever you're at, wherever your self is right now, whatever your authentic self looks like, Jesus loves you enough to die for you, but he died for you so that we no longer live for ourselves. We are transformed into new image of Jesus Christ. We are transformed into a new creation. That is why we don't, it's not just Jesus is here to help me promote myself. Jesus is here to help you die to yourself and take on a new life in Christ. This is why we need to recognize, because we see those kind of empty philosophies all around us that people are now working their Christian faith into just a way to, to serve themselves or to serve something other than the one true God. So, of course, in our culture, with our flesh and sin and our temptations, of course it is vital that we grow in wisdom and knowledge and discernment have moments where we feel like God is speaking to us and be prophetic in speaking that out to other people. What is right? What is wise? What is the God-honoring thing? What is loving towards other people in a way that honors Christ? We need to be wise in how we recognize these. So I want to talk about this briefly, just about how we can grow in these, all of us together. How do we grow in these spiritual gifts? You're thinking, well, I want to be more wise. This sounds good. How do I do that? Well, we already read, first of all, ask God. Ask God for wisdom, and it says he will grant it. Open your heart up to Jesus Christ and receive the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus Christ, the salvation of Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, and then you just say, God, I want everything you have for me. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit so that I begin to see these gifts grow. It's just the supernatural work that happens. How else do you grow in these gifts? You have to walk closely with Jesus. You have to walk closely with him. I love that in the New Testament, Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd. And he did that because there was a lot of people who were shepherds. They would, in that culture, they would recognize what he was talking about. He said, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. In the midst of all the people around, the sheep are familiar with the voice of their shepherd, so they know where to go. They know what to do. It's because of proximity. They've been around that voice for so long. They recognize it. Through the voice of hundreds of other voices, they can recognize, nope, that's the one I'm supposed to follow. This is what Jesus talks about. He is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd where we need to walk closely with him so that we recognize his voice. When we see or when we hear all sorts of other conflicting voices in our culture around us, we are the sheep that recognize his voice and say, nope, that's where I'm supposed to go. We need to walk closely with him to recognize his voice. This means your faith has to be way more than just a Sunday morning thing. You have to begin to pray. Times like tonight when we're having second Sunday, we, an hour where we just spend time in prayer. This is why we do stuff like this, so that we can grow closer to Jesus and learn to hear his voice. Another way is you have to know the word of God. You have to read it. You have to know it, study it. You have to know it because times when wisdom or knowledge or something of the world comes and says, well, this is what God wants and this is what God says, you can always go back to the word of God to hold it accountable. When God is speaking something to you, you can say, well, does this line up with the word of God? Because God will never lead you to do something that contradicts the word of God. It's not what God is going to do. So you have to know the word of God. You have to recognize what God is like, what Jesus is like by reading the word of God. And here's another key thing. If you want to grow in these gifts, times when you feel like the, the Lord is moving in your heart with a certain thing, you got to have faith and just obey it. Just step out in faith and obey it. If you feel a moment where God is saying, I want you to talk to that person about this, have the faith to step out and do it. 
you might get it wrong sometime. There's always that conflict of like, is that really you, Lord? Are you really speaking to me? Again, it's repetition. The more times you do it and are obedient, the more times you recognize that was the Lord. Look at what God did. And you'll become more in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit. So these are some of the ways that we can grow in these gifts. Now, specifically, I want to talk just for the last five minutes we have here. We've talked about the ways that all of us need to grow in these gifts. And I'm just hoping that you'll be open as we go through the rest of this series. God, what help me grow in all of these things. Holy Spirit, fill me up so that I can begin to see these gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit more active in my life. But specifically, I want to talk to maybe some people here where you feel like an extra tug on your heart, like this might be something that God is using in you in a, in a supernatural kind of extra way. That the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, like these times of wisdom and knowledge or discernment or prophecy, you might think, yeah, there's times where I really do feel like God is speaking to me to share this with somebody. Or you receive specific insight into the situation. I want this to be a moment where you just recognize, yeah, God, I want to be used in this. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will begin to tug your heart and, and, and show you how you can operate in those gifts for the benefit of people, for the benefit of the kingdom, for the benefit of this church. One story I was thinking about in, in regards to the spiritual gift of wisdom or knowledge where God gives you insight into something specific. So my brother-in-law, Rick, is not here today. His family's here. Some, a lot of you know Rick. Um, he was telling the story of he met with a person for breakfast, and this person, this other person, had been in recovery from alcoholism and seemed like everything was going well, and he was saying, I haven't had a drink in so long and so long. And Rick says, I sat down for breakfast with him, and I looked at him, and as clear as day, the Holy Spirit said to me, he's been drinking. So I said to him, you've been drinking, haven't you? He said his eyes got real big and just said, how did you know that? And Rick said, the Holy Spirit just told me. So imagine that moment, right? You're the other guy thinking you're getting away. I'm fooling everybody. Nobody knows what I'm going. He had been lying to his friends, his family, his wife. And in that moment, somebody says, God's presence told me that you're going down a path that's going to bring destruction, right? I mean, you see the benefit of that gift being operational in that moment. Now, Rick didn't bring it with like a condemning, like, what's the matter with you? It was a, again, the, the, the goal of the spiritual gifts is to push people towards Jesus Christ. This was a corrective word that resulted in a lot of follow-up conversations with this gentleman and his spouse, with his family, with, you know, this was, this was a moment. I mean, the, the value that that brings were, and what an honor for both Rick and this other guy to feel like, wow, God, the God of the universe knows this situation right here in this restaurant, that he's speaking something specific to this. Like, how close is God in that moment? How much does God care for us in that moment that he would speak about something? There's been times where I have been on both ends of this, where I've received somebody coming to me and say, hey, God spoke to me about what you're going through. What a, what a blessing that is, not just for the practical insight, but just, wow, God sees and hears. He's the, he's the God who's close. He's always engaged in our reality. This is, this is the blessing that comes when the spiritual gifts are operational. Right? That's just one example. The, the gift of discernment. Maybe God's going to speak to you and there's times where you just sense true motives or the true spirit behind something where you're like, this just doesn't feel right. You're discerning what is right, what is godly in a certain moment. This is one where I've sensed that God has used, used me before where I have sensed like, that doesn't seem right. 
that doesn't seem like this is of God. And there's times where it's just conversations like, I think we should move forward with caution because something just doesn't feel right. Maybe you've experienced that. It just doesn't, something doesn't feel right. Now there's times, now here's the deal. My personality, I can be, this is going to be shocking to you, right? I can be prone to be a little bit more cynical at times, just naturally a little more negative. Maybe times where it's, and this would be times where my wife doesn't appreciate this, like let's move forward with caution is my natural bent in a lot of ways. So I have to, for me, balance the, now there's times where I've seen God use a gift of discernment, but I also have to recognize I am also prone to this. So it can't just be about negativity. I can't just approach every circumstance with something's up there, right? That person's full of it, you know, because you'll be proven right a lot of the time if you're looking for it, right? There's a difference there. So I have to guard against that. But there are times where I just feel like, wow, this isn't right. This isn't right. Now, that's different than being critical or arrogant. Again, if you think you're right all the time, it doesn't mean you have the spiritual gift. It might just mean you have the spiritual gift of being a difficult person. But I think there's probably people in the room here that you're going to sense that God is going to use you in these, in these things. The gift of prophecy, times where you recognize it, God is speaking to you to, to share that with someone. Man, we want that to be operational in our church, in our groups, in our, in our times, conversations where we're like, God spoke to me, and he said to share this with, with you. So I just want to encourage you, just in all humility, move forward in obedience. We, we do it in humility with a, at times where I feel like God is speaking to me to share with someone, I will always approach it with, I was praying, and I feel like God put something on my heart for you. Can I share it with you? And I'll always say, again, my maybe a little bit of my cynicism. I'm like, take it or leave it. I'm just trying to be obedient to what God had. It's never a, you got to do this, and if you don't agree with what I'm saying, then you're clearly out of God's will. There's a humility that comes with it. And if you're going to speak on behalf of God, it should be covered in humility of, I'm hoping I get this right, but I'm just trying to be obedient, right? This is how we move forward. We must be willing to trust him and obey so that we could be like those verses in Colossians, just more deeply rooted anchored, strengthened in our faith, building one another up, caring for one another. This is how the body of Christ grows in our influence in our world today. And it is so needed. Isn't it needed in our world today? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Let's bow our heads. And we've done this every time that we've had had one of these messages. Just take a moment and maybe just, uh, oftentimes if you're comfortable doing this, I'll just hold my hands out and almost like I'm receiving. And I'll just say, God, I want whatever you have for me today. And I, I believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, there could be a different part of this message, a different scripture verse that was read that just kind of connects with your spirit. And it could be a bunch of different things for a bunch of different people. So that's why right now, just seek the presence of God and say, God, speak to me what I need to receive today. It, maybe some of you are here and you've just kind of been closed off to this whole idea of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts and supernatural things. And just open up and just say, Holy Spirit, I invite you in. I pray that you would baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I receive everything you have for me. I want to see these gifts of the Spirit evident in my life. I I want to recognize more closely when you are speaking to me and guiding me. And so, Lord, I pray generally across this whole room, anyone listening to this message right now, that we would all just seek to grow in these things, be more wise, more knowledgeable anchored in your word, more discerning as to what the right thing is. I pray for people, especially our teenagers this day and age, that are just met with so much opposing quote-unquote wisdom 
of what the right thing to do is, I pray that you would cause the young people of this church and this community to grow deep roots in the truth of God's word in who you have made them to be in your call for them to walk the straight path of righteousness and godliness. Lord, I pray that you would do that work in the youngest member of our church. But Lord, we adults need it too. So Lord, I pray that you would continue to lead us and guide us as we grow in wisdom and knowledge. Just help us to be able to discern what is the godly thing, to, to recognize when you're speaking to us. And Lord, for those who feel like maybe they have a, a unique spiritual gift of knowledge or wisdom or discernment or prophecy, I pray that you would stir that up, that they would begin to respond and obey and see the great things that you are going to do through them. Thank you that you love us and care about us enough that you are so individual and, and, and equipping us with what we need to live a life of faith. We praise you and we thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for being here today. We're glad that you're with us. If you'd like someone to pray with you, we'll have a couple people up front. They'd be happy to pray with you for whatever you're going through. Otherwise, God bless you. We'd love to see you tonight for Second Sunday at 